Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we listen to the choir relentlessly cascade over us, Alleluia, Alleluia, we're reminded that, Father, ever since before the dawn of time, you remember and you had a plan. You had a plan of love. And that plan has built and built and built and continues to grow and grow and grow, never-ending. Father, we thank you that we can sing Alleluia loud and bold, but that we can also sing it, Father, soft and low, that you are a God that meets us in all circumstances in love. Thank you for remembering us. Help us, Father, to remember the love we had at first for you. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Well, good morning. How are you all doing this morning? Are you doing well? Well, that's good. Oh, is there a football game or something tomorrow night? I hadn't really heard. Yes, I, um, <laughs> I'm a Steelers fan. What can I say? Please pray for me, right? But you know, you know before I get rid of this, I can't leave it up here. You won't hear a word I say. I know. Um, but before I, before I get rid of this, I really do have to ask, does anyone really give the Broncos a chance on uh, tomorrow night? Uh, should be a great game. We shall see, right? All right, enough of that. We have been looking at what marks or should mark our community here at West Bowles. And so far, this is what we've decided should mark us. <laughs> and all God's people said, boo. Man, that didn't even work. For those listening online who are wondering what, it, I, put, um, I put a Pittsburgh Steelers logo on the screen. I just love you guys. You're such an easy target and so easy to set up. <laughs> so no good? You don't like that for a church logo? You know, speaking of logos, our, our staff has been very busy trying to put together the last uh, few weeks, if not months, developing a new logo for our church. And you're right, this isn't the best one because it, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, identify us. It doesn't point to us with our church. So, uh, went to work on it a little bit. Maybe a better logo for us would be this one. What do you think? that one work a little? (laughs) Love God, love the Steelers. That works. Enemy love, right? Isn't that what, yeah. You know, I got to say, I'm not quite feeling the love I felt the last two weeks from you as you called me as your pastor. And I'm also thinking, I'm also thinking it's a good thing the vote isn't today. 
See, I thought I'd test your love right off the bat, and you failed miserably. But, you know, as a leader, as a leader, I should model this love for you, right? So out of my love for you, Bronco Nation, I did bring with me a picture for you, too. Is that better? Jay Cutler. Okay, I'm having way too much fun up here. All right, Micah, quick. Give him the next slide. All right. Now how about an amen? Yeah, see how fickle you are. Well, we have, we have indeed been looking at what marks or should mark our community here at West Bowles, and Jesus put his finger on it when he said the greatest and second greatest commandments are for us to love God and love others. So let's stand together, shall we, and recite these two commandments as a way to dedicate to God our time here this morning in his amazing word. We'll do the Hebrew responsibly. I hope that uh, you're working on it and committing it to memory, and then we'll do the English together. So please say these words after me. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Ve'ahavta et Adonai Eloeka, Bekol Levavka, Uvahol Nafshecha, Uvahol Meodeka, Ve'ahavta Reacha Komocha, Amen. Together in English, please. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. You may grab a seat, please. This morning, this morning in our Shema series, we turn a corner from God loves us to our love of God. Now, To help introduce this change in emphasis, we sent out once again our crack video reporting team back to the 16th Street Mall in downtown Denver to ask folks about love. Let's see what they say. L is for the way you look at me. Love is, uh, you know, what we would call the cream of the crop, see, because only love can consume us. It felt like a big old stick of butter sitting on top of a pile of flatjacks. It hurts. <laughs> it does. It does. The pain in the- I don't know how to describe it. How do you, how do you describe being in love? <laughs> it feels all kind of things. It feels like good. It feels bad. Right now it's mostly bad, you know. <laughs> it makes you feel, you know, warm, gooey. You want to melt. Oh my gosh, it's living a dream. O is for the only one I see. You know it, because when you know when, when, it hits when, you. when it's there, it's wow, it'll knock you over. 15 years of love. Just everything for that person, just a beautiful experience. It's just like a natural high. You know what I mean? Any more questions? <laughs> like, you get goosebumps and everything every time you see the person, or. 
that type of thing. Is this uh, going on YouTube? No. Oh, Hulu. VA is very, very extraordinary. Well, it's kind of like eating chocolate. You can't describe it. It's kind of, you can't describe it. You just got to do it. It's like something that you can ever imagine living without. It's amazing. It's the best feeling in the world. That's why there's poetry. That's why there's prose. We're constantly trying to explain it, but you can't. Well, you see the smile on my face right now? That should describe it. So my wife would kill me for this, but somebody I'm very comfortable with and, and just enjoy being around. Love is made for you and me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Lots of different perspectives on love, including the guy who said it was a pain in the neck. Maybe that's the last time we hear from our crack video reporting team. I don't know. We wonder why these things are taped and not live, right? That's why. And I have to share this. Uh, Matthew Beatty, many of you know Matthew, he was asking the questions. And the girl, uh, the blonde girl in the headband, you remember her, who said love was gooey and she was like all bubbly? Um, That was Matthew Beatty's former girlfriend. (laughs) 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 That they just ran into... And so Matthew had to ask her that question, and if that's not enough, she was there with her new boyfriend. <laughs> Ouch. Well done, Matthew. Our, um, our counseling sessions begin this week. Uh, today, today in our series on Shema, we make what should be a very natural move from God loves us to our love of God. It's It's a natural move because our love of God is really a response to God's love for us, to God who loved us first while we were yet sinners. Now, it's true that God commands us to love Him. And at first, that might sound a little strange. Love by its very nature cannot be commanded, can it? But what I think the command presumes is that we are already very eager to respond to the wonder of God's love and what He has done, is doing, and will do for us. It's not like God is forcing us to do something we don't really already want to do. We're blown away by God's amazing grace and want to respond. And so God says, okay, you want to respond? Here's how. Love me. Love me back. It's not something we have to do, oh, bummer. It's something we get to do. We've got the privilege of doing, the joy, the opportunity, the delight of doing God's command to love. His command to love means we get to love God. Uh, Maybe it's something like commanding a kid to love ice cream. Do you imagine Go to a young child or an old child (laughs) or anyone and say, I command you to love ice cream. Get after loving ice cream. What kid is going to respond, you can't command me to love ice cream. No, she's going to say, woohoo, where's my spoon, right? So too, when God commands us to love him, we're in a marriage relationship with God. Remember from two weeks back in the Song of Songs? Marriage is a central metaphor in all the Bible that God gives us for what our relationship with Him is like. Can you imagine the day after the wedding? 
a newlywed saying, oh, now I have to be faithful? Now I have to, now I have to actually serve my husband or wife? Hey, I thought this marriage came with no strings attached. I have to do something? That sounds like work. I thought this marriage was based on unconditional love. You can't require me to act out my love, to put my love into action. Well, that would be ridiculous, right? We get to act out our love when we're married. And whenever people want to rationalize away the importance of obedience in our however grace-based relationship with God, it's really no different than trying to rationalize away the importance of being faithful or acting out, living out our love to our husband or wife, is it? Seems, seems to me same thing. But it doesn't seem to stop us sometimes from feeling put upon that God commands us to love and obey Him or doesn't seem to stop us sometime in um, equating, uh, equating obedience as somehow anti-grace or legalistic or works-based righteousness or some other ugly term. Is your marriage works-based because you must be faithful? Of course not. And neither is our relationship with God works-based because we must obey God. God commanding us to love Him is like commanding a child to love ice cream. It's something God's command makes clear we get to do in response to His great love for us. Now, it's been said that a person's Passion for God tends to run very, very high when they first come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of their lives. And that's not surprising, right? New love has more than earned its reputation as all-consuming, infatuating, new, eager, hungry, exciting, intense, maybe even gooey. If you've experienced falling in love, then you know it's overwhelming and powerful and and really doesn't take much, if any, work at all in the beginning. It's just there, red hot. In fact, the only work part of new love is very often harnessing it until marriage and, and trying to think straight when the raw power of new love threatens our better judgment. And it's also been said that as new love ages, its all-consuming insistence ebbs a bit. And this is the part of the sermon where wives, you can start glaring at your husbands, right? Yeah, listen up. Maybe it becomes routine. Maybe it's taken for granted. Maybe the busyness and wear and tear of house and job and kids and stuff and life undermines and erodes that irrepressible optimism and eagerness of new love. And then there's the, the chaos and the pain that hits as we live life in a fallen world that maybe puts a limp 
into new love's frantic pace. And the all-consuming, eager love we had at first for God, well, we forget it. We forget the love we had at first. And you know what? God knows that tendency with us. Big surprise since He made us. He knows the risk that we forget the love for Him that we had at first. And so we find, beginning in Genesis and continuing all the way through Revelation, God pleading with us, urging us to remember the love we had for Him at first. When it was new love, when we were first falling in love with God. The responsive reading that Craig wrote for us this morning highlights beautifully, I think, God's emphasis on remembering. Why do you suppose God asks us to set aside at least one day a week in worship? Why does Jesus tell us to take communion until He comes again? Why does God institute all those festivals for Israel to gather together and celebrate and pray and worship? Why do you suppose He commanded circumcision and later baptism? Why the command in the longer version of Shema to talk about God's commands when we get up, as we walk along, and when we lie down again every day? And why God's command to put His words on our foreheads, hands, and doorposts? Why God's command that we teach and press on our kids what God has to say? I think one central answer at least to all those questions and more like them is because God so desperately wants us to remember that eager new love that we had for Him when we first called Him Lord. Listen to God's heart expressed in Jeremiah. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. He's reminiscing, God is, back to a time when Israel's love was new and eager and hungry for God. Soon after, as Israel is about to enter into the promised land, God is so concerned she'll forget Him. Remember how I led you and you followed me, he says. Don't forget me, he says. Read Deuteronomy chapter 8 sometime this week, will you? And you will see God's deep concern that when Israel gets it all, when she gets all she's ever wanted, this land flowing with milk and honey, gets lots and lots and lots of good things, God is concerned she'll forget Him. She'll forget the love she had for Him at first when they were just the two of them alone in the desert. And God was right. She did forget. And it broke His heart. In Revelation, Jesus tells John to write to the early churches. And after commending the church for what she's done well, what's the very first thing Jesus says they're not doing well? Do you remember? He says, yet I hold this against you. 
you have forsaken the love you had at first. Remember that height from which you have fallen. Repent, change, and do the things you did at first. Would Jesus include that admonishment if he wrote us a letter today? Do we need to remember the love we had at first when it was fresh and new and eager? When I struggle to love God like that and begin to feel that love and obedience is more of a burden than a blessing, part of the reason is I forget what it was like when I first fell in love with Him. My love becomes routine. I take it for granted. It gets lost in the busyness and pain and chaos of life. And I need to remember what it was like falling in love with God again so I can fall in love all over with Him again and love like that again. Do you need to remember sometimes too? In the movie The Notebook, an elderly woman, Allie, struggles with some form of dementia, something like Alzheimer's, it seems. But whatever her condition, it's caused her to forget the love she had at first for her husband, Noah. She doesn't even realize it's her husband. It seems to her she's just a kind-hearted friend. And to help Allie remember... Noah keeps reading her the story of their falling in love. The story of when Allie had to choose between Noah and another man. I'd like to show you a rather extended clip from the movie. And just so you don't doze doze off, I'm going to give you something to look for. while you watch. Now, while no illustration is perfect, this one comes really close, I think, at so many levels. So as you watch, here's your assignment. Look for ways, look for ways that Noah is a lot like God and Allie a lot like us. Now, before I show this, I want to give this warning to those who've had a family member or a friend struggle with the devastating effects of Alzheimer's. One of my grandmas died from Alzheimer's, so I know it's awful. But I decided to show it anyway because in the metaphor I'm attempting, at least, there is hope and there is comfort. But I wanted to warn you. Okay, in the following clip, how is Noah like God And how is Allie like us? Let's watch. I love you. I'll be seeing you. No. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. Yes, it is. I don't know why, but it makes you feel sad. I know you feel lost right now, but don't worry. Nothing is ever lost or can be lost. The body, sluggish, aged, cold, the embers left from earlier fires, shall duly flame again. 
Did you write that? No. That was Walt Whitman. I think I knew him. I think you did. Shall we go in? I'm feeling a little chilly. I did, with a little help from my friends on the nursing staff. Oh. I've never seen anything so beautiful. Neither have I. Shall we? Grape juice? I'd love it. Wow, so many pills. How sick are you? Well, sickness has become a relative term for me. I think of it now as more a general wearing out process. To you. So what happened? In the story, which one did you choose? Oh, yes. Of course. It was us. It was us. Oh, my it darling. Was oh, my sweetheart. Oh, I love you so much. Oh. Noah. I love you, Andrew. What happened to me? Nothing. You just went away for a little while. How much time do we have? I'm not sure. Last time it was no more than five minutes. Brought along an old friend. I'll be seeing you in all the old familiar places. Got this heart. All day through In that small cafe Hi, the children Oh, they're fine uh, They were here today Will you tell them I love them? Of course I at the moon but I'll be seeing you 
Why did you call me, darling? I don't know you. What's going on here? Am I supposed to know you? Allie. No. No! No! Ali, sweetheart. Hey, Allie, I love you. Stay with me. Don't No! Come. Who are you? I'm Noah. I'm Noah and you're Allie. What do you want? What are you doing here? Come on, baby. Don't come near me. Don't you come Allie. near me. Allie. Allie. Help! Help! Help me! Calm down, Allie. Calm down. No! Calm down, Allie. No! Come on. Come on. Sweetheart, I'm sorry I haven't been able to be here to read to you. I didn't know what to do. I was afraid you were never coming back. I'll always come back. What's going to happen when I can't remember anything anymore? What will you do? I'll be here. I'll never leave you. Like Noah, God longs for us, his bride, to remember the love we had for him at first. 
And he's given us, he's given us our love story to read over and over and over again in the hope that it will help us remember. And like Galley, we often have a very terrible time remembering our first love for God. The chaos of life, whatever form it takes, gets in the way. But when we remember those embers of our first love of God burst into flame again and we dance again with our God. And when we remember God's relief and joy and affection and love and oh, welcome back into my arms just pours from him in delight. And when we forget, chaos consumes us once again. And God weeps. But God never forgets. He too thumbs through his picture albums, remembering the times when we walked hand in hand. Lovesick for them, really. And so there he is again, relentlessly trying again and again and again to help us remember. Longing for us to remember the love we had at first. So many old hymns urge us to remember our first love. Do you remember this one? George, you inspired me to sing last week, so join in if you want, please. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Reflecting on blessings God has given us helps us, I think, to remember the love we had at first for God. And when we find that love again, it may even surprise us. One line in another famous hymn puts it this way, I know you know this one, I'll start the line and you, fin- and you finish it. How precious did that grace appear. Do you remember the hour you first believed? Or have you forgotten the love you had at first? If we've lost our eagerness to love God, if it's become a burden 
to love and obey. Maybe it's because we've forgotten the love we've had at first. When you came in this morning, you should have received a ring. If you didn't, they're in baskets on your way out. Please take one when you go. What makes these rings special is that they're mood rings. Supposedly changing color depending on your mood at the moment. Mine's green. How about yours? I've never seen green. I've never seen anything but green, black, or blue. Does anybody have anything other than green, black, or blue? One, I don't believe you. You have to come show me after I've been arguing in staff all week that these things don't work, but at least it's blue. They're also the tiniest rings known to man. <laughs> Sorry about that. That wasn't intentional, but I wanted to give you a takeaway this morning. Um, if you can't wear it, um, put it on a nightstand or something, somewhere where you'll see it regularly. And then each time you see it, maybe you'll think of a wedding ring, a symbol that we use in marriage. I mean, each time you see it, maybe it will remind you that God loves you deeply and He's committed to the, that marriage relationship that He has with you and He doesn't ever forget. And as far as the mood ring part, Maybe it will remind you to think back to the love you had at first for God when it was new and eager. Because remember, our love of God is not intended to run hot or cold, red, blue, yellow, or green, depending on our mood or circumstance. No, our love of God is intended to burn bright for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, from this day forward until death do us reunite forever together with Him. See, my friends, God loves you. He's there holding your hand and whispering at the foot of your beds, at the foot of your life, too. In fact, he's even whispering from within your soul where he dwells. And he's whispering, I love you. Do you love me? Do you remember? Remember when we first fell in love? Don't forget that. Remember the love you had at first, and together we could change the world. I love you. Do you remember your love for me? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being a God that loved us first. Father, help us to remember the first time that that sort of love literally took us to our knees and we were amazed at the grace that could love even someone like me. If we have 
a hard time or struggle staying there, Father. Help us to stay there and to keep our love burning hot and fresh and new and eager for you as we respond to the amazing love you poured out for us in the life of your Son so that we could be together forever in love. We love you. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand, please, for God's benediction? I'd like to do something a little bit different this morning. It used to be in the first century, and even some churches capture this today, where the preaching or where God's Word would be opened from within the community of God. So I'm going to start doing the benediction, or at least God's blessing, from here. I know some of you can't see me. I apologize for that. But very long ago in the church, the priest, the pastor, whoever was giving God's words, would raise his hands to signify the protection of God's wings over his people. So please, this morning, receive God's benediction, his good words. Hear, O West Bowles Community Church. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And love your neighbor as yourself. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you around soon.